protection and comfort from Christ. <clears throat> Thanks the Lord. We, so we just want to thank God for all of you who are here. Let's just start with a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glory. Oh God, thank you for this glorious day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who are around this nation, particularly in uh, the, southern, the southern western states and Texas and Mississippi and those areas. Oh God, who have been affected by <clears throat> catastrophic cold, powerlessness, and lack of water. Father, we just want to lift up the lives of those who have been devastated and affected by this winter storm. Yes, God, we want to just pray for those who have who are continuing to battle the challenges involved with the pandemic. From those who have lost loved ones, including myself, those who have been ill, who survived and are surviving with ailments. God, to those who are anxious about their economic situations and their employment and whatsoever, for those who are concerned about the vaccines um, and we know the history of medical care across different ethnic groups, God, we just pray that you would just give peace into the hearts of man today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let this message that we're about to share today bring comfort and hope to those whose hearts are weary, those who have been challenged and beat up by the times that we're living in, living in to those who've been affected by <clears throat> superiority and racial discord, to those who've been affected by injustice. God, we pray that you will bring strength to the hearts and the minds of your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for you all today. Uh, <clears throat> we are on part two of this message, Breaking Barriers to Success. There's many barriers out there, but God says they can be broken. They can be broken. We do not have to sit there and teeter and totter and, and tremble at the crossroads of success. God gives us great, excellent success, and he gives us the power to break these barriers. So um, we are actually in our part two of this series last week. If you have not heard it, please go back and listen to the to the replay. Replay it on our Life Nation Facebook page. It's there, Breaking Barriers to Success slash Rebuilding Boundaries. We really went into what are barriers, <clears throat> what are boundaries, and what God has given us, uh, particularly which we're going to get into more this week, is the parable about the heart. Last week, God began to speak to us specifically about the heart and how the heart and how the arteries and the uh, veins that are connected to the heart, how when they get clogged and how they get challenged, that it creates different types of heart disease and heart attack. And what we did, we actually went in and began to look at that spiritually and how spiritually because it was in the natural is also in the spiritual. So how the heart is affected in the natural by things that enter the body that really shouldn't be there or that 
are there in overabundance that causes challenges to the heart. The same thing happens in the spirit realm. There are things that deal with our heart and how our heart is affected and how it functions in this world and in the spirit of our times. All right. Now, like last week, we went in really good detail, but I want to go into more definitions about the heart. I really want to get into it. I'm not a doctor, so <clears throat> forgive me if I sound medical today, but I love science. God has given us an analytical mind to study what his great creation is, and I just love how he designed his heart. So let's talk about it. Strengthening the heart is what our message part two is today. The heart. What is the heart? The heart is a pump. It is a pump. It's usually beating from 60 to 100 times per minute. Unless you're exercising, you get up to the heart rate. That heart rate gets up to 130, 140, 150. Anyway, that's a sidebar. But with each heartbeat, the heart pumps blood. It pumps hormones and other vital substances throughout our body. What blood does, it carries oxygen to every cell. What is oxygen? It's the air we breathe. The lungs are there we breathe, but the lungs give oxygen to the heart. So the heart can take that oxygen and distribute that fresh air to every cell in our body. After delivering oxygen, so really blood is like a transport for oxygen. It's a transportation system. God just gave me it. It's a transportation system. You know, we, we talk about circulatory systems. You look at streets, you look at highways, they call arteries, arterial roads. Basically, what goes down roads? Cars. What's in the cars? People. So if we look at blood, blood is not really the big issue. It is the issue to help us to live, but it's what is in the blood that is transported to destination to destination. This what God, oh my God, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, was, the car is not what's really important. The roadway is not what's really important. It's what's in the car that's getting to the destination. Us as people, we go places. So when we look at the heart, the heart pumps. The blood circulates. The blood carries the oxygen to different and 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 hormones and other vital substances to every cell of the body. Now, after it delivers the oxygen, the blood returns to the heart. The heart then sends the blood to the lungs to pick up more oxygen. But this is what's so important that we don't want to miss. What the blood also does, it carries metabolic waste, such as carbon dioxide, to the lungs to be exhaled. Ain't that something? So blood doesn't only just give you fresh oxygen. Blood also is a transport system. It's a waste management system as well. 
Oh, let's keep That's going. You got to breathe in, breathe out. You got to breathe in, breathe out. Waste gets into our system regardless of what kind of health you're in. And the most, I want to jump ahead of myself. And the most important part, besides delivering oxygen, is also delivering the waste, getting that waste out of your system so you can stay alive. And you can stay well. All this get well and be fit and wellness, that's a trillion dollar industry now. Um, for good reasons and for some odd reasons, but mostly good. Now, in another def, we're just in the definitions now. I've I got so much to share. Oh my Lord, Jesus. Um, I hope you're getting this today. Um, understand putting your spiritual thinking caps as we talk. The heart, in another definition, is the most central or innermost part of something. Literally, if you look at, in speaking, if you look at town and planning, they call what's called downtown. Everybody talks about downtown. In your downtown, you have the city hall. You have your, your city or county courthouse. You generally have your center of economic development and all those different things. The heart of the city. And that literally is the heart of the city. So the innermost part, and generally those are in the center of the city and everything grows out from that. All right. We lived in Tallahassee for a long time and Tallahassee was the capital city of Florida, but also downtown Monroe Street, Tennessee Street. You had the big capital, you had the Senate chamber and, and the house, and you had the two domes and you had the big capital building standing in the middle. Um, looked very uh, dynamic. Anyway, let me keep moving. Now, scripturally speaking, I mean, or biblically speaking, when you look at the heart, the heart is referred to as the ruling center of the entire person. Of the whole person. Literally, it's like the spring or the wellspring of all desires. It's the center not only of spiritual activity, but it's the center of all of the operations of life. We know the scripture, how everything flows from the heart. We know that scripture. We, out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart flows the issue. Yes, right. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. So we can see from a scriptural standpoint, I mean, from a biblical standpoint, the heart is not just a pump for blood in the physical realm, but it's also a pump for how we live. It's how our life is inflated. It's how our life is oxygenated. Ox I didn't say that right. Oxygenated. That sounds wrong, but it's right. All right. Now, the Lord speaks to me and said to me, the heart is the central processing unit of love and relationships. The greatest commandments that Christ talks about are centered simply around the heart. The CPU of the being. So if you want to strengthen the heart, literally, if you want to strengthen the heart, 
you want to have success, well, strengthen your love and strengthen your relationships. What did this man talk about today? <clears throat> Let's go to the scriptures. <laughs> I'm feeling a little joyful today. All right. Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Marie, verse 32 through, um, I'm probably going down to verse 40. And I'm going to read it. I love the Amplified. The Amplified is um, my favorite, one of my favorite you know, uh, versions because it gives you the details of the verses. All right. Verse 32. <laughs> I am the God of Abraham. And the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. But of the living. <laughs> when the crowds heard this, they were astonished. Before I go on, let me just put a, this little pointer in there. Saying I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is all centered around relationship. When we, when we hear that term, that term is about an expression of how God related in his relationship with individuals on earth, known as the patriarchs. Okay, now verse 34, now check out the goofy part, all right? Now, when the Pharisees heard that, he silenced or muzzled the Sadducees, they gathered together. One of them, an attorney or a lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, asked Jesus a question not for a relationship, but to test him. Teacher, <clears throat> I can I can I can see the dynamics of the whole environment. Okay, uh, think about the Senate the Senate uh, trial that we had, and and how people made expressions about you know legal expressions about various things that had nothing to do with nothing. All right, I'm sorry, I'm getting too far. All right, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? In the law. Verse 37. There was no argument. Je Jesus replied to him. You shall love. The Lord God with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, in the Amplified it says, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend 
on these two commandments. <sighs> oh my God. You have to really read the whole context of this passage, but literally all, as we talked about last week, religion brings forth shackles. Last week we talked about the details about how religion comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How religion will have you in bonds. And how Paul talks about religion does nothing but to shackle you over again. Why would you follow religion when we have Christ? And the issue is not about religion, it's about relationship. Religious people came and confronted Jesus. Jesus was talking about relationship. They didn't come there to learn. They came there to try to test him, to trip him up. So they can find a way, find a thread, find some type of means in which to enslave Jesus. But Jesus was too smart for that. Literally, the Pharisees had hardened hearts. If you understand last week's message, if you heard that, you understand a hardened heart comes from when there is too much cholesterol or things that are filling the arteries connected to the heart. And the heart can't pump right. And it try to overworks itself and it just starts getting all these different problems because it's clogged with stuff that shouldn't be there from lack of exercise, from improper diet, all that stuff we talked about. When you look at the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were full of the devil. But spiritually speaking, their hearts were hardened because they had too much gunk in their system. Improper blood flow in the natural leads to heart trouble and attack. So the hearts of the Pharisees, all they were out to do is try to attack because the hearts were hardened. And this when Jesus gave me something very tremendous. Oh my gosh. I pray you stick with me on this. I don't leave the broadcast. But the Holy Spirit dropped something so heavy into me. Here we got Jesus talking about what is the greatest of commandments. And you look at his passage, they were infuriated. They were infuriated about Jesus talking about love. What? Love? Love your neighbor? What? What are you talking about? Here we got religious leaders, experts in Mosaic law, and upset with Jesus because he was talking about love and relationship. Well, their hearts were hardened. And what God gave me is that Jesus was giving like we talked about before, a heart, it brings oxygen to all parts of the body. Well, when you look at oxygen and you look at it from a spiritual standpoint, what is the breath of life? It's the very word of Jesus. Jesus is the word. And his word brings life. And his word brings life more abundantly. And God began to speak to me and said, 
that when Jesus was there to bring to circulate life, the Pharisees were out to circulate blood. Oh, they wanted to kill Jesus. And God dropped a bombshell on me. He said, we know that life is in the blood according to Leviticus 17 and 11. But when Jesus told me that his blood, the blood of Jesus is not about, is not literal. It is figurative of his word. Like we talked about in our definitions, the blood is there to bring oxygen to all parts of the body. Jesus Christ, his word, he is the pump. He is there releasing his word so that it can get to all parts of the body. So what Lord told me said, Jesus came to give us abundant life, not abundant blood. Mm. He shed his blood. He shed his blood on Calvary. Absolutely. But Jesus did not come for us to have bloodshed. He came for us to have his word. He was the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have his word. His word is what gives us life. His word is what causes us to move. His word is what brings us living and life and abundance. Not his blood. So the Lord, I mean, we can get into the theology and all this hermeneutics and all this other stuff and studies, but the bottom line is that follow his word and you have his life. His sacrifice opened the way, but it's his word that keeps the way. His, as Prophet Chante says, his sacrifice is what opens the way, but his, his, but his word is what keeps us. His word is what moves us, okay? The Pharisees are out for blood. That's why if you look in other studies and other scriptures and you really study and get into it, you will see messages about that the blood of bulls and the blood of oxen really didn't change people's hearts. It was just ceremonial process. So we can spatter all blood everywhere ceremonially, but until you get the word inside of you, dwelling in you, Prophet Shante has a scripture she loves to use in her studies and her preparation for testing and other challenging situations that she uses, whereas the word that's inside of you is what brings life and breath and strength. As we said, the blood, blood is a circulatory system. It pumps, the circulatory system pumps blood to all of the body parts. The word of God is what's pumped 
that gives us oxygen, that gives us breath. God is a spirit. God is not blood. His spirit is what must flow through the body like blood flows through the veins. I pray you're still with me on this. Look, a spiritual heart attack is when God's word is not flowing. That's when you're prone to heart attack, spiritually speaking. When your heart fails is when God's word is not flowing through all parts of you. When the pump that brings the life and the strength and the word of God throughout your system, your entire being is limited, then you are prone to have attack. The first thing that the Pharisees and the religious leaders attacked was relationships. They attacked the fact that Jesus was the son of God. That's what they were attacking. They, were, they couldn't handle the fact that who you think you are saying you have a direct relationship with God. What? Who do you think you are? When that is the very thing that gives us the life. Relationship, not religion. They were stuck on ritual and formalities and who sits here and who sits there, who is high and who is low, what your class was, whether you wore phylacteries and all these various things. That's what religion will do for you. Religion will have you focus on the external, but it does not change your heart. This is why Jesus talks about the greatest of commandments. The greatest of commandments is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. To follow him with the innermost part of your being to the central part of your processing of your whole being. It's about making sure that you're related and in relationship to our Lord God. Strengthen your relationship and your hearts get strengthened. Go ahead, Prophet. Just as you are sitting here and, and sharing and uh, what the Lord has given you, I just heard very clearly that religion is a focus on measuring your life by ritual. <laughs> Relationship is the focus of measuring your life by love. I'll say it again. Religion is the focus of measuring your life by ritual, how well you do the ritual, how often you do the ritual, how perfectly you do the ritual. Relationship is a measure of your life by how well you love God, yourself, and others. My God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. Listen here. The doom and gloom of the world occurs when the heart force stops its relationships. That's when you start really seeing crisis and problems. The doom and gloom of the world is when the heart force stops its relationships. If the heart is not functioning well, 
we talked about earlier that the, one of the functions of the heart is to remove waste from the body. So we know that every day and every experience and every part of our day that we live, that there is something that we need to release, not hold on to. So part of good heart function is to release Things that the heart says you have to let go of. Praise God. So the heart removes waste from the body. So spiritually speaking, that waste is wickedness. Go ahead, prophet. Um, and just tying into what you said, um, perfect love casts out fear. Amen. So the other part of that waste in our life is fear. Fear. Wickedness and fear. Write that there. Write it down. So we're... so. You know, when you talk about what needs to go, as you're talking about the heart releasing that waste, you have to recognize that in order to have a healthy heart, you have to allow the waste of fear to be released from your life. And you're either moving in the direction of love or you're moving in the direction of fear. And religion breeds fear, not love. What's going to happen if I don't go to church today? What's going to happen if I don't, you know, do this the way they say? What's going to happen if I... And all this fear causes people to operate under a sense of slavery. Because fear produces slavery. When you look at how the Americans, you know, shadow slavery, one of the biggest issues they operated was, is on fear. If you don't do this, you get lashes. If you don't do that, you know, we'll, you know, we'll sexually assault you. If you don't do this... And do this and do this, we'll we'll hang you. Matter of fact, we saw how if you don't if you don't walk down the street the right way, we're gonna take you and put you in a noose and hang you and burn you, and then have a church service around it. That's fear. God doesn't operate in fear. You have to cast out fear. People like Harriet Tubman, we referred to her last week. She knew how to cast out fear of religion, of enslavement, and all those things. And her relationship, as we talked about in Matthew 22, seeking the best or the highest good for others. When you see people in downtrodden or situations where they are challenged or not living or operating their best function, you, as you release fear out of your life, you help release fear out of others' life. And that relationship continues to go to every part of the body. Go ahead, Prophet. And you just made a, a good point that I hope and pray that people will hear. And that is, I'm going to have a hard time seeking the highest good and best for others if I have not learned yet how to seek the highest and good and best for myself. Amen. So what happens is your heart has to be cleansed. Your heart has to function before we can help others, like the first thing that happens when there is a challenge up in the air. When those masks come down, they say, put on your mask first before you try to help others. Or else you can suffocate. So stop suffocating trying to help others without helping yourself first. Get your heart right first before you help others. There's a show that I don't really refer to shows much, but because, you know, in the Hollywood and media world, you know, there's always some type of agenda being pushed. But there's one show that I have really enjoyed watching from a spiritual standpoint. It's called All Rise. It's a story about 
a black female new judge who is on the bench and all that surrounds her life and relationships with attorneys and with plaintiffs and with defendants and all that and how she has to make judgment based on facts presented. And in her operation, if you look at the scripture here, seeing the highest and the best good for others, she really epitomizes that entire heart of loving your neighbor. Just because you are in a situation where you're in leadership or you may be in whatever, you still, you don't look down upon people. You don't just sit there and write people off. Man, 2020 and 2019 have been, I've seen the most write them off mindsets ever. <laughs> write them off. Let them go. Let them, dirt, let them burn. Let them whatever. We have to seek the best for our neighbors without destroying our own selves. So that's a very a caveat. Now, let's look at here. Let's go to another passage in Matthew chapter 24. Okay. Oh my, I'm going to move on with this here. Praise God. Matthew 24. Verses 4 through 6a. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 10 through 12. So, um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. Jesus answered, Be careful, Matthew 24 and 4, that no one misleads you, deceiving you, and leading you into error. For many will come in my name, misusing it and appropriating the strength of the name which belongs to me, saying, I am the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, and they will mislead many. Verse 6 is what I really want to get into is, you will continually hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, let's jump on to verse 10. Let's look at this here. Verse 10. At that time, many will be offended and repelled by their relationship with me, association with me, and will fall away from the one whom they should trust and will betray one another, handing over believers to their persecutors and will hate one another. Many false prophets will appear and mislead many because lawlessness is increased. The love of most people will grow cold. If you look here, I'm just really getting to these verses. Jesus is talking about the relationships. There are people who will misappropriate themselves in their relationship with others, claiming to be something which they are not. And that claiming to be something in which they are not is what leads to lawlessness and cold hearts. Listen, when hearts grow cold and people are misled, the result of that is war. And this is what the Lord gave me. If you look at this whole thing, appropriating your the name of Christ, misusing it, 
and misappropriating the strength of the name of Jesus for something that is not of him mm-hmm. is religion. People will use a religious basis to mislead. So they will allow the deceptive tactics of the adversary, put it in the form of religion to enslave people. And if people don't follow their will, then they war. So Lord began to speak to me, one of the essence of all wickedness is religion. Religion leads to bad relationships and it leads to war. Appropriating Christ to break relationships with your brother descends into lawlessness. The Lord began to speak to me, false Christ lead to stone cold hearts that seek blood versus life. You know, the religious leaders, they fantasized on killing Jesus to appropriate their sense of being a false messiah. They wanted to be seen as the one who delivers the people when they had no heart for people. That's what religion does. It breaks hearts. Jesus. Mm. Prophet. I think even if you go back and and read this in its entirety uh, Mm -hmm. from verse 1 to 14, Jesus talks about this being routine history. Mm -hmm. He warns people that there's going to be fear mongers. There's going to be doomsday deceivers. There's going to be leaders who show up with fake identities posing as um, messengers from me. And he says, keep your head in this hour. Don't panic because the rumors and in, in wars and the, in the rumors of wars are designed to bring you to a place of fear. Mm-hmm. He says, what is going to be a sign that an age of time is ending? You're going to see an increased coldness of heart. You're going to see an increasing of people not caring for one another. He says it's a sign of the end of an age. It's an end of a time that's going to come. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people that will mark the end of an age because they will be on their way out. They were the epitome or the expression mm-hmm. of love waxing cold. Mm-hmm. But when you see them go out, understand that for the believer, this is a time to rejoice because an end of an age has come and the beginning of a new age is here. And see, this is what's so powerful to understand is that religion leads to cold heartedness. You look at most wars across the world, most wars across the world start and exist and are sustained based on religion and who has the bigger stick. 
Which religion has the bigger stick? And Christ says not about any religion. It's about relationship, loving God and loving your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor and want to kill him at the same time, which is was the spirit of the Pharisees. Religious leaders fantasize on killing Jesus to appropriate their sense of false Christhood. Christ, the living blood of God, bringing the life to the world, challenged the religious sense of power, the religious power structures, and it challenged spiritual elitism. Because you can't be elite and then still seek the best for your brother. Because to be elite, there has to be a higher class and a lower class. And when you love your neighbor, as Christ says, there's no class involved. We are all one. That's the fallacy that led to slavery, that you have to be various classes. Okay? Look, religious break their relationship with God in order to get power. The very temptation of Jesus by the devil was about giving him power. If you bow down to me, I'll give you power over all these kingdoms. Prophet. And I just want to add to that because you just made a, a really, really important point. The hierarchy and classism is an enemy to equality and equity. Amen. Amen. It stands in the way of equity and equality. If somebody, if you are operating from a mindset that in order for me to be on top, someone has to be on the bottom, you're operating from a mindset of hierarchy, either hierarchy or classism. Mm -hmm. And both of those will come contrary to and be at odds with equality and equity. That's right. Jesus' message about loving your neighbor as yourself was a message of equality and equity. Love others the way you love yourself. So love here is 100. So love there is also 100. It's a message of equality, loving your brother. You don't necessarily have to love the vices of your brother, but you love your brother and your sister. Okay? Now, like I said, religious break relationships with God for power. This stone cold heartedness is fallow ground. Look at this. Relationships, believe it or not, which we all know, <clears throat> are complex, multi-layered, and they express the miraculous nature of God. It's a miracle to be able to love God and love your neighbor. When Christ speaks that word to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, he is releasing the power to relate to one another. His words are life. So when him when he speaks this, that these are the greatest of commandments, he is speaking the word of life so that you can get along. He gives you the power to get along with others. If you can't get along with anybody, you got to check who your source is, what is promoting 
itself in your heart. Look at this. The key appetite for humanity, God made man in his image and his likeness. We know that. We heard that a trillion times. But the key appetite of humanity, God designed humanity to have relationship with him. So the underlying root of humanity is to have relationship. That's why these commandments are so strong. That's why when good relations are come together, that's why hearts are strengthened. Hating people does not bring any type of strength to your heart. You cannot hate your brother and say you love God. That's the fallacy of this last political cycle that we've lived in and saw the terror involved with it. Excuse me. The minute a child enters the world, comes out of that womb from the place of isolation into a place the first thing he does is communicate with all that's around him. The very first thing a child does is begin to communicate. That's his voice opens up or her voice opens up. And when her voice opens up or his voice opens up, those around hear that voice and their hearts are strengthened because a new life is here. It's relationship. There's power and miracles involved with releasing and relating to one another. God values human relationships so much that he made himself a marital covenant with us through the spirit and the natural. My Jesus. It's not good for man or woman to be alone. The human relationship is what God ordained to fuel his creation and his throne room. Jesus came to get us back into relationship with the Father so that our hearts can flow, so that God can hear our sounds and we can hear God's sounds and there's joy in the room as a father or a mother hears their newborn child. There's the greatest, I, I don't have children. You know, naturally, I just don't. I, you know, that's what it is. We don't, Prophet Shantae and I don't. But what we have seen is the immense, unexplainable level of love that is expressed between a parent and a newborn, brand new child. It transforms men. It transforms the soul and brings a new level of life. Jesus. War is a state of broken relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. 
when we look, when you really look at it, we call ourselves a superpower. This United States, we call ourselves a superpower. We call Europe is called a superpower, or Britain is called a superpower. You know, you know, greatest nation on earth, so to speak. But America is backed by a religion of power. Power in itself has become a religion which brings to war with everybody around the world. Political leaders are at war which leads to lawlessness, self-destruction, and severed relationships. Great allies of this nation, relations have been severed because of this religion of power. You got all these um, people in religious circles, you know, very, you know, very prominent names in Christian Christianity, so to speak, who have, who have, who have become umbilical to power and deception and led to all kind of chaos around the world. But this is what the Lord told me, and it's very simple, and I'll try to Oh, I got so much more. Oh, Jesus. I, we have to finish this off next week. Probably, I got 10 more minutes. Hallelujah. Well, America itself started <laughs> by a civil war in Britain because of religion with Britain. with Britain. British people didn't like where they were at because of religion. So they said, let's go find somewhere else to go. Find our own brother. Go somewhere else to go and say, we're going to have our own stuff. How something starts is generally the foundation of its success or its devastation. Now, check this out. When leadership becomes about the inner circle rather than the entire whole, you have circulation problems. That's where hard issues come from. Look at this. When the, and this, oh, this is good. When the body is cold, abnormally cold, it means the heart is only serving the brain and vital organs and not the extremities. So what happens is when you see people waxing cold all over, spiritually speaking, you can tell that a false leadership is in place that is self-centered, that's focused only on itself, and that all the extremities connected to that leadership wind up getting cold-hearted or getting lack of oxygen and blood is not circulating to where they need to go. We see how this level of self-centeredness works in religious corporate and political circles. When your hands, your legs, and your feet are cold, you have a problem. Look at this. Even in, even in this, the Lord spoke to me, said that we have even seen in this past several days how a winter storm and a catastrophe where a political leader was only concerned about his inner circle and not the body who he serves. It caused heart problems <laughs> across the entire constituents 
that he was to serve. Look at this. Oh, we're going to get into this next week. Why, Jesus? Anarchists, also known as rebels, in Europe fled their country to grab and lead another territory for self-indulgence. Breaking relationship for self-indulgence leads to cold-hearted actions. <sighs> it leads to cold-hearted actions. Why do you say that? James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says it real plain. And we may pause right there. Okay? James 4, verses 1. Amplify. And I'll also read it from the message. What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? They do not come, excuse me, do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war, fighting for control over you? You are jealous and covet what others have and by your lust goes unfulfilled, so you, what? Murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy, so you fight in battle. Here it is in the Amplified, I mean in the message. Um, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. What happened on January 6th is the very epitome of this message. Somebody wanted power they want to continue to have power, so they enacted violence to try to get it and keep it. That's the global parable in 2021 for us to be aware of what happens when you lose heart for people and lose heart for relationship, want things for your own selves and you only worked your heart for your own self, not for others. It causes destruction. It creates chaos and lawlessness. It creates brother against brother. The Revolutionary War were British against British. The British from the European side and the British that were in American that are on this in the Northern American side. They fought each other. Because they wanted power. Who's going to have the power? We fled, y'all, because we wanted power over here. Civil War, same thing. North fought the South. Because they wanted power and ability to kind of control people and enslave people. Listen. We have to understand for a heart to be strengthened, for a heart to function well, and for our lives to be full and oxygenated with the Spirit of God, we have got to get our relationship with God and each other right. Amen. And I'll put a pause in for that right now. And I pray that you get something out of this. 
And we're going to continue it with James next week. So I'm going to turn it back over to Prophet Shantae. <sighs> and she can share some tidbits and close us out on this beautiful day. Praise God. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for Shantae. All right. Well, I don't think I really need to say much. <laughs> I think I've I think I've said uh, most of my piece. So, um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in.